0: Yes, and your life counts, and enthusiasm definitely makes a difference. Hello and welcome. You're live on the Sudden Eye Impact Show with your host Lee, coming to you from the DFW Metroplex. On the Sudden Eye Impact Show, we have fun together, we learn together, and we encourage one another. On the Sudden Eye Impact Show, we discuss a variety of topics such as, but not limited to, 100% responsibility, accountability, accountability partners, mentorship, being of service, entrepreneurship, relationships, communication, Decision-making, imagination, mindset mastery, the power of partnership, economic empowerment, innovation, creativity, and visionary leadership. On our show, The Sudden Eye Impact Show, we share concepts, principles, processes, and systems that work when you work them, that deliver good and great results. Our show's mission, vision, purpose, and intention is discussed and deliver simple, basic, fundamental ways to help everyday people experience more fulfillment, satisfaction, enrichment, enjoyment, health mental health awareness, and overall peace through utilizing your own brilliant mind and the latent resources that lie dormant within you. The Sudden Eye Impact Show is spiritual, inspirational, and motivational, expressing energetic, electrifying, powerful, and transformational content that anyone can take and learn and apply in any area of their life to change their life for the better and continue to work to change their life for the best. Today, we have a special guest for you today, and his name is John Mallet. He is a mortgage and housing industry expert, speaker, and the author of The Complete Guide of Home Ownership, Buy Your First Home Today. John has a unique ability to demystify the complexity of home loans and financing into easy and understandable concepts. With no further ado, we bring Mr. John Mallet to the stage. Good morning. How are you, John? Great to be with you.
1: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Great to be here with you.
0: Yeah, glad to have you. Uh, Why don't you share a little bit of your story with us and then we can just dive in and uh, you can educate the audience on the process. Okay, you bet. Uh,
1: You know, it's to kind of give you a little bit of a background for me, it really kind of starts with a a time I was in New York and I was promoting my book. And uh, it was the first time that I've been to actually, you know, doing something with promotion for the book. And I had the opportunity to go and give my pitch to literary agents, to publishers, and people like that. And uh, I had three and a half minutes to do it. I lined up about 80 pitches over three days. And uh, so I went the first day, and I basically said, Hi, my name is John Millette. I'm doing a, a book on mortgages, and this is what I'm all about. And that first day, I was totally just shut down. I mean, it was just like, it was just unbelievable. There was just... Uh, I I went away from there. In fact, there was one guy that I talked to, a literary agent. He said, "You know what? What you have, nobody's going to want to have. They're they're not going to want to read it. So there, there's really no reason for you to even be here." And so I was with my wife, and I felt like, man, we might as well go home or go see a couple of shows and then and then leave. And then I got to my room that night, and I began to ponder, and and the thought came to me that I needed to tell my story, and. I thought to myself, you know, nobody wants to hear my story. That's the most ridiculous thing in the world. And, uh, but I was so, um, desperate at that point and so wanting to be able to make this work. I thought, okay, I'm going to throw every, all the pitches. I'm going to throw everything that I prepared for that they told me how to do correctly, quote unquote. And I'm just going to tell my story. And so the next day I went up to, uh, the first, uh, uh, agent and I said, hi, my name is John Millette. I grew up in the projects. Uh, my parents were divorced when I was eight years old, and uh, we moved to another town, and we were evicted uh, on several occasions until I, we were put into low-rent housing or government housing and welfare. And uh, from ages um, eight to 14, we moved four times, and finally we moved into the projects. Uh, two years before that, my mother was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and at age 18, she died. And, and I gave this, this story, and I said, and I want to talk about, to people about stability and how important home ownership is. And I will never forget the first guy, he had his mouth open, and he looked at me after I gave my pitch, and he said, you know, that's a really good story. I want to hear more about it. And I just could not believe the transformation that it, that happened when I told my story. And the reason that I'm bringing that up today is, is that your, your program is so impactful. I mean, it changes people's lives. And one of the things that I found out that changes my life and changes other people's life is when we tell our story. Uh, oftentimes we think that our story is not that important, but I have learned it. and ever since that event happened, I've been telling my story, and in fact, I changed the entire way I wrote my book. I put it in a story form of people who didn't think that they could qualify, but they did. And uh, so that, that really is where my, my background is, and it's a background of wanting greater stability and wanting to transform lives through home ownership.
0: Nicely stated. Um, do you care to, to take us through, like, the ABCs, the 1, 2, 3s, the... I know a lot of people are misinformed about actually obtaining a mortgage or actually um, executing home ownership or believing that they can have home ownership. That's why I'm interested in taking this interview, and I just think that it can be a very powerful, positively impactful uh, to the masses.
1: Oh, you bet. Yeah. Yeah, I can do that. Um, It really starts with being... you know, on a deeper level, what I did was when I read my when I finished writing my book, it was about two AM in the morning, and I said, Okay, I'm done, now I'm gonna read it. So I started reading the book and it was the worst book that I've ever read on mortgage financing. I mean, it was horrible. And I thought, No, nobody's gonna to wanna to buy this book. Why would I ever wanna put this book to anybody? Because I don't even think it's very good. And so I I put it on the shelf for a while and I said, you know, I gotta really think about it. And so what happened is is a is a is kind of a transformation came about. I said, what is home ownership really about? What are the deeper issues of home ownership? And uh and so I came up with the idea that came to me was the idea that home ownership is a sacred trust. And uh not necessarily in a in a religious text, but in a spiritual deep sense that says, wait a minute, this is something special. This is something that if I take care of it, it will take care of me. And then I really began to see that uh, by looking at all of my clients and everybody that I've done, because I've done about a billion dollars in uh, originations over the years, and I, I, I discovered the most important thing is is that transforming lives through homeownership, it's a transformational process. And when we talk about the A, Bs, and Cs of mortgages, I like to bring in something before that that basically says, if you, if you shroud that in something special, you're, you're shrouding that in the, in a transformation process because you've got to be grounded. In other words, you, why is it that you want to own a home? And so the why is really the most important to me. Uh, You know, it's interesting that the, the financial aspects are great. Uh, The. Average, or the median net wealth of a renter in the United States today is $5,000. And the median net wealth of a homeowner is $230,000. So it's a 46 times difference. So you begin to get the idea, well, the financial aspects are really important. But then you think to yourself, well, what other aspects are there? And those aspects, you know, it's interesting. 50 per, uh, the study was done that showed that homeowners have a 50% less chance of divorce than those people who rent. Um, homeowners have lower incidences of their children getting asthma, and generally speaking, children who grow up in homes do better in school. And there's all of these things that go that are the what, what I call the underbelly of the things that are are the the driving force behind wanting to to do that.
0: nicely stated so you, you so you actually uh, used to do mortgages or are you like a realtor or how's how that working Are you both solid? well that's a
1: great question yes I still do uh, mortgages I own a, a company called Main Street mortgage here in Southern California and uh, I've been I've, I've, uh, I've been doing this for 30 years or 30 years plus and uh, the this whole movement that I have, that I'm putting together is igniting, what I I want to do is ignite a home buying revolution. Among millennials, among people of color, I want to be able to ignite a revolution where people say, wait a minute, homeownership is something that is sacred and that is special. Um, I think that there was a big disconnect from the uh, subprime crisis that happened. And I think that people got really into their heads about, well, maybe homeownership isn't so great after all. I mean, there are 9 million people that lost their homes. And that's not even counting the ripple effect of all the millions of people that were affected by that, that uh, horrible time period. And, and, and so today, the, it's the highest point in 50 years that people are renting. There's more people renting today than there have been in the last 50 years. And so what I did is I began to look at that and begin to say, wait a minute, this is not right. Homeownership is the foundation of a really strong financial and uh, peaceful and um, uh, a stable existence. Why is it that people are renting, more people are renting, when actually there are more programs available today to be able to buy a home than there ever have been in the past? You know, if you, if you take away the subprime crisis, which was ridiculous and irresponsible underwriting, today the ability to get financing is probably, um, I wouldn't say easier, but it's, it's available to more people than it ever has before. When you take into account low interest rates, when you take into account that now they allow for a hundred percent gift on all of the loans, it used to be just FHA was what you could have a hundred percent gift, but now on conventional financing, on regular conventional financing, you can put down as little as three percent and it can all be a gift. And that's one of the big, that's one of the big myths out there right now is that you got to have 20 percent down. There was a, a survey done by Fannie Mae that showed that, that, uh, they did a survey with people that were renting and they, uh, the results were is that 45% of the respondents who were renters believed that you had to have 20% down. Well, if you're going to buy a $300,000 home or a $400,000 home, that means you got to have $60,000 to $80,000 for a down payment. Immediately, that's going to shut me down. I'm going to say, no way. I can't do it. But the facts are is that I only need 3%. So if I want to buy a $300,000 home, all I need is nine
0: grand. If, does does the credit have impact on that? I would like for you to touch on that and continue down the line that you're going.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And the 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 credit is really a foundational aspect of home ownership and getting a loan. Now the myth is is that you've got to have a high credit score. The reality is is that no, you don't. You can have a score down to six twenty there's some FHA financing as low as 580 for a credit score. Now a credit score, just to kind of uh, give you an idea with your listeners here, is a credit score is an algorithm that that includes things like how long you've had your credit, uh, whether or not you pay your bills on time, what your balances are in proportion to what your available balances are. So if you're if you've got a credit card that has an available balance of $5,000 and you owe $4,000, well that is going to um impact your score in a negative way. And so there's it's an algorithm that's put together, it's kind of a black box you might say. And so we we pull your credit and when your credit is pulled, we get this score. It 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 spits out this score. And the score is all of the all of the details about how and your intention about your credit and whether or not you pay your bills on time, collection accounts, things like that. And so that, you get a score. And that score pretty much says, okay, you know, between certain scores, my rates will be uh, a certain rate. So it's all what's called, referred to in the industry, as risk-based pricing. And so if your score is a high score, like in the 700s, then your rate will be better than if your score was a 680 or 640. And there is one aspect about credit that is beautiful that most people really shy away from. And that is is that you can fix your credit. You can make it better. You can do things with it to improve your score. And I've had people in my office where I looked at their, their credit. They came back and their score was 580. I mean, some as low as four sixty, and uh, And so we would just start, go through it line by line. We'll get out their credit report and say, well, what happened here and what do we need here? And there have been times when we call the collection agency right then and there, right in my office, and say, can you delete this? And in many cases, we'll say, yeah, if you pay it today, uh, this uh, charge account, then we'll delete it. And uh, it can take up to a year. It can take a little while, sometimes six months to a year. But generally speaking, you can make it better, and and your so your score is an important component of financing. That's part of the strategy of planning. So, when you talk about the idea of of Leah of, of wanting to know uh, the ABCs, the most important thing in the sprint and being able to get your home purchased is to put together a strategy. That's where people um, come up short. That's where they fail is they don't put together a strategy. And that's what a good mortgage professional will help you do, is outline that, look at your credit, look at all the details that you'll need to look at, and actually
0: go through a plan of what you need to do. Nicely stated. I know that probably a lot of the audience are, you know, probably challenged around, you know, financial literacy and the credit portion of Mm -hmm. it. Would you care to talk more about, let's just take the average score of 580 and explain to us what goes into being able to get someone approved for a home if their score is in that 580 to 600
1: range? Okay, that's a great question. So basically, if you have a 580, you're limited to what you can uh, get as far as a loan goes. It's only going to be FHA financing. And there are a lot of lenders that won't even lend to you at 580. Now there are a lot of, there are some FHA lenders that will, but most of them do not. And so we have clients that, that we've gotten financing that low, but it's very limited and the rate is high. So, so for instance today, uh, on a loan that might be 580, your rate might be 3.875% or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, if you can get your score to 620 to 640, then your rate would be something like 3%. And if you get it up to a little bit higher, then your rate could be as low as 2.5%. So it really depends on where you want to be. So if you come to me and say, you know, I really want to buy now, and I'm prepared to buy now, but my credit score is lacking, then we will try to get you financing based on your credit score. Um... But again, your rate is not going to be as good as if you were, were to put a little bit of plan and thought and strategy into it and say, well, maybe what I can do is get my credit better. And we work with people on that. I mean, a good mortgage professional will sit down with you and will say, you know, these are the things that need to be corrected on your credit. You need to pay off this collection or you need to ask the, the, the agency to have it expunged or what's called deleted as if it was never there before and then your score is really begin to go up. If you pay off debt, then you have the capability of saying okay, we're we're g- going
0: to be uh your score will continue to rise as well. What if you have someone that has like a lot of credit card debt and they can't uh-huh. just pay it off uh but they have a decent score like 620 or 640. Mhm. Can they still get a home or
1: Yes most definitely, as long as they have the income to qualify. The, the key is is being able to have income because unlike the subprime crisis, now you have to have an actual pay stub and you have to be able to have a job and show a continuity of income over a period of time. And uh, that if you have that and the income is great enough, then you can definitely qualify. Now, you bring up a very good question there because the question is, is should I pay off all my debts? and then buy a home or should i uh, buy a home even though i have these debts and that is a really personal question if you have the income to qualify and you can responsibly buy a home with your existing debt my opinion is, is to buy the home and the reason that i say that is is that in general generally speaking home prices rise and if you wait too long, you could be priced out of the market because of rising prices. Now, that doesn't mean that you want to go out and chase a home and get a home right away. You need to responsibly buy a home strategically uh, the way that it's going to be best for you. But, you know, people, my experience is is that people who own homes, and it's, it's a literal fact, is that people who own homes tend to save more money than people that rent it's it's a weird it's weird because normally your mortgage payment is going to be higher than your rent payment uh and people say well just invest the difference rent and invest the difference but it generally doesn't happen studies show that
0: people don't save money right yeah cuz only a limited percentage actually know how to Uh, be good stewards and actually manage the money and, you know, allocate the money to the proper spaces. Right. Exactly. So let's do a scenario where maybe you have a, uh, you know, 30-year-old couple and they're working a job um, with the median income and let's say they want to uh, purchase a home. I know California prices okay. are probably higher, but let's just say they want to purchase a $200,000 home. How would you guide them through that step-by-step? Step? Like, they don't know anything about the process. Right. Um, okay, so the they're, first
1: they're, the, they're first these. step is, is to say, let's check your credit, because that's where it all starts. And uh, then at that point, then we say, okay... Um, after I have a credit score and after I have a, a sense of what your income is, so what I do is i it's called the three Cs, which is credit, collateral, and capability. So the first thing we check is credit. That's the number one priority. We check the credit first. And by doing that, we get an, an essence of what the score is like, and then we can decide. Okay, can we move forward or not? In other words, if there's some serious issues going on on credit, then we really need to uh, begin the process of uh, fixing the credit before we really do anything else. Um, and then the next step is, as we look at the collateral, what is it? How much do you want to buy uh, in the area? What you're talking about is a two hundred thousand dollar home. Well, that means that they're going to need to come up with, if it's a 3% down payment, they're going to need to come up with um, $6,000 for the down payment and plus closing costs. Now, when you put down 3%, you've got to have, go to counseling and have a counseling uh, certificate um, that um, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, those are the people that offer these loans through brokers and lenders. Um, and they'll, you go through, it and it's kind of a training module that, that they will take you through. But before that even happens, we say, okay, your credit score, so let's say that we have a score of 620, and let's say that the rate is 3.5%, uh, and let's say that we're going to do a um, uh, basically a home. Uh, the appraised value is going to be $200,000, and we're going to put down three uh, 3%. So the loan amount is going to be $194,000. And let's just pretend that we'll do what's referred to as conventional financing where we don't have to uh, go the FHA around. Um And as a result of that, and let's say that the rate's going to be 3.5%. Uh, well, based on that, your payment is $871. Now, by the time you put in um, the taxes and the insurance, then your total payment, let's say it's a condo that you're going to buy, your payment now is about $1,546, $1,546. And then you simply say, okay, if it's $1,546 and I'm making $4,000 a month, well, on that basis, you would qualify. And, what, and that is the third C, which is capability, where we say, okay, what is your income compared to what your housing expense will be? including your, your credit card debt, which could include student loans, credit cards, or car payments. And so the less debt that you have, the less other debt you, you have, the more home you'll qualify for. Got it. So uh, did
0: I explain questions. that okay? Oh, yeah, perfectly. Um, okay. Yeah, very thoroughly. Uh, actually, I actually have two questions. One question is, what does the percentage have to be and is it based off of the growth income or is it based off of net income? Oh, great question. Right. So that
1: that's a key. and And again, that's a myth. It's a myth that people don't have enough income to qualify. In fact, I get people who call me all the time and the first words out of their mouth, <laughs> it's really funny, the first words out of their mouth is always, I know we probably can't qualify, but. We saw this home over the weekend and we want to see whether or not we can buy it. And, you know, a nine times out of 10, within 20 to 25 minutes after we pulled the credit, looked at everything, looked at their pay stubs, they qualify to buy and they're in a house within 60 to 90 days. So this idea of, you know, um, not knowing what you don't know, it's really important to get that answer. And, um, so, um, the, the, the key really is to find out and put your income down there. So it's gross income and they don't go off net because people might have deductions or things like that. They go strictly off of your gross. And so if you have two borrow, two, two borrowers on the loan, they're going to combine that. They're going to pull credit and the credit score they use is going to be the middle of the lower score of the, of the other person. So if there's two people, we two, we pull two credit reports. They both get three scores. So the, the lender will, will choose the lower of the middle scores of the, of the two clients. And then we simply say, well, what is your income? Let's say that they have total debt of $2,000 a month and they earn $48,000 a year. Well, that's, that's considered, and you can read more about this in my book, it's considered a uh, 50% debt-to-income ratio. So that means 50 cents out of every dollar that is that you earn, gross that you earn, will go towards your house payment and your debts. Now, generally speaking, you want to keep that. I mean, in California, it tends to be higher. It tends to be anywhere between... Um, Forty-three percent and sometimes fifty percent. In fact, FHA will allow you to go up to fifty six percent. But you gotta remember that sometimes it's easier to qualify for more house than you can actually afford. And so that's when you have to go down with your strategy, with your budget, and say, what can we actually afford on a monthly basis? Because gross income, of course, is not the income that you receive, it's it's the net after your deductions. Yes.
0: So the median um, qualification, you're saying it's basically they want like it to be around
1: 43%. Yeah, 43 to 45% will generally, uh, get it done for you. Uh, if it's the, uh, FHA financing, then they will go up sometimes as high as 56%. And, and some people would call that irresponsible lending. I don't call it irresponsible lending because a lot of times people have income sources that we can't use as qualifying parameters for a loan. Say somebody uh, has just started driving Uber or or uh, Lyft part-time and they've been doing it 6 months and they've been receiving an extra $1500 a month. Well, I can't really use that as a second job because I need a 2-year track record for that. But you know that the income's there. And so it's quite possible that you can you can buy the home. That's why the strategy is so important of, of of sitting down and saying, "Okay, this is our credit. This is our income. What is it that I can actually afford, and how much money do I have, or that I can get for a down payment?"
0: Right. Nicely stated. Um, would you yeah. care to um, explain the process, like with the title company and the? Um, what uh, closing costs and, like, the fees. I think that would sure. be a good insight to share.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So when you buy your home, let's say that you find the home that you want and the offer is accepted by the seller, then you go into what's called escrow or contract. In some areas of the, con- of the country, it's called under contract. In other areas, it's called escrow. When it's under contract, it's usually an attorney that will take care of it for you uh, that will represent you as the buyer. Uh, when it's an escrow, it's an escrow company that will represent you. And the escrow company uh, is considered a uninterested third party that basically brings, uh, it's like a spoke of a wheel, where the middle spoke is the escrow company, and then they bring in the buyer and the seller and the inspection company and the lender. and um, they just kind of help uh, coordinate and orchestrate the deal. And your closing attorney will do the same thing, uh, except that your closing attorney will work with another attorney, which is going to be your, your uh, listing attorney. And the first thing that happens when you have your home in escrow or under contract is you will pull the title report on the home that you're going to buy. And the title report shows what's called the chain of title. That means from the very time that the house was built to the present, which could be five years, it could be 60 years, there's a chain of title that everybody who has owned that home is on that report. Their names, you know, how much uh, they paid for the home, they go back to the very uh, first when, even when it was just raw land. And then at that point, what title insurance does is the title will pull that and the lender requires that you have to have title insurance. And title insurance is to indemnify and protect the lender against any liens or judgments that may come up at a later point. So if the title insurance show it's clean, then the title insurance company says, okay, we're clean on this. We'll, we will uh, provide a policy. So you as the homeowner buys a policy, which is part of the closing cost, and that policy will protect the lender, and it will protect you uh, because there's also what's called a homeowner's uh, title insurance that will protect you so that in the event that the title company missed something and they said, oh, there's a, a lien on it, there's a mechanics lien, somebody has claim to the house, they will be responsible for paying whatever fees may come up at a later time.
0: Okay. And so, can you share uh, ways that people are able to um, get like down payment assistance? Because I- I've heard of a lot of people, like kind of like what you said, when they call and they're kind of like more negative or doubtful before they even find out uh, ways that um, they are able to come up with the down payment. Because a lot of people, yeah. from what I've heard about, Um, are usually not in the mindset of saving, and I know that's part of the counseling deal, but are there down payment assistance programs?
1: Yes. In some areas, in some cities and municipalities, there are uh, down payment assistance programs where you don't have to come with any money. Uh, The down payment would be in the form of a second, uh, what's called a silent second, that you basically don't pay on at all until such time as you sell your home. Uh, there's other ones where you pay an interest-only payment. Uh, there are some that are grant where the money is actually given to you. Um, it, it, there's, there are a lot of different ones, and so it's really important that whatever city that you live in, that you call and you find out whether or not uh, they have any kind of down payment assistance programs. Now, the interesting thing about it is is that um, there are... it when you use down payment assistance, it kind of narrows the field of the lenders that you can choose or the products that you can get. Usually it's relegated to FHA financing, which is okay. That's a great start. Um, sometimes it's better just to come up with the down payment on your own. And coming up with the down payment on your own at first seems really insurmountable, even if it's $9,000. And yet that is where, where after... The transforming lives through homeownership, Lee, is really the, the essence of buy versus rent. Then you get to the next step, which is the drive to buy. And when you get to the drive to buy, that's when you basically say, wait a minute now, how am I going to do this? You know, it's like, how am I ever going to, you know, I, now I know that I want to buy, but how am I going to put it all together? And that's where the drive to buy comes in. And uh, a story is I had a a couple that came in, they sat down at my desk, and uh, we looked over their credit, we looked over their income, and I basically said, no, now is not the time, you're not going to be able to qualify at this point, you need to improve your credit, you need to increase your credit score, of course, which is part of improving your credit, you need to increase your income, and we have to have a down payment. And so a year later, they came back to me, they gave me all their documents, and they said, can we qualify now? And I remember looking up at them and saying, yes, you can qualify. What did you do during that year? Because I gave them very specific things of what they needed to do. Well, they pulled the trailer onto the backyard of their parents' home, and they lived in the trailer for a year to save money. They asked for raises. They got new jobs. They paid off debt. They had derogatory items removed from their credit report, and now they were ready to go. So the drive to buy is really powerful. And so when you talk about this idea of the down payment, it's kind of like this. Kind of, like this. It, it, kind of a, 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 an example would be, let's say that uh, we have a, a young mother that has a three-year-old child. And, uh, and, and, and I were to take that child and put a gun to the head of the child and say, come up with $10,000 or I'm pulling the trigger. Well, you can bet that this person, that this mother, is going to come up with the $10,000. No question about it. And by the way, you never want to do that with a mother that's got a teenager. Sometimes they'll say, pull the trigger. But (laughs) with the younger children, it's usually, hey, you know, no, we got to make this happen. So they come up with the money. And that's why when I talk to people and I say, what's your biggest obstacle of buying your home? And they say, it's the down payment. (laughs) At that point, I say, really? Well, let's talk about that. Can I help you with that a little bit? Because when you really dig down deep to it, what is really holding you back? It's not the down payment. It's something else usually that's in the way on a deeper level. And maybe it's because they're saying, you know what? I need to go back and get my GED. Or I need to go back and I need to go to school or a trade school. Or I need to clean up my credit. There's something that's deeper. It's never, I don't have the money because I know that people can come up with the money. And so it's the idea of looking just a little bit deeper and saying, well, what is it that I need to make some changes to be able to come up with that down payment? Maybe I need to go to my parents and ask for um, a gift, or maybe I need to move in with my parents for a little while so I can save for the down payment. There's always things that go along with that.
0: Right. Wow. Um, can you tell me, like, So, do you loan in all fifty states, or you only loan in California? And like, well, right now,
1: yeah, uh, I'm I am a a mortgage professional broker uh, that is uh, licensed only in California. Uh, However, we have sources across the United States where, if you live in uh, other state other Mm -hmm. than California, which I'm sure most of your listeners probably will. Uh, We can get them referrals and get them set up with the right people. And, uh, or they can go to a real estate professional in their area, a real estate agent, and ask who they use that does, you know, that would be really good. Now, your question is a really good one because the market's very hot right now. It's very busy. There's, there's a lot of business going on and there are loan officers and, and, uh, mortgage professionals that will not take the time to work with a first-time home buyer. But there are, are a lot that will, and you need to make sure that you find somebody that will take that time. That's really critical. Uh, that's one of the that's one of the pillars of our company is that we will take the time, whether it's a fifty thousand dollar loan or whether it's a million dollar loan, we'll take the same amount of time as what it takes. And so you want to work with a mortgage professional that will give you that time.
0: Nicely stated. Do you know much about people that like fix-up homes, like hard money? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Could you sure. tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, now, you are you asking,
0: fix is it,
1: yeah, so is it from somebody who wants to buy it and fix it and then flip it and sell it to somebody else, or do they want to buy something they want to buy and then fix it up and live in it? Uh, like
0: fix and flip,
1: so they're going to want to live in it, right?
0: So no, like so based on that, it. what's that? Like resell
1: it? Resell it. Okay, so if it's going to be a fix and flip, that's a little bit different. That's where you would actually take the money, or you would you would find the property that's that's you know in in need of a lot of repair. And then you would you would find a lender who would loan on it. Now, normally conventional lenders won't loan on it if it doesn't have a toilet, if the cabinets are out, if it doesn't have a working stove or utilities, if there's no flooring. I mean, if it's a really uh, home that's really run down and needs a lot of work, then you have to go what's called hard money or what's called the non-QM uh, route, and that's where you at that point you need to put down a lot of money. You need to put down maybe twenty. Five to 50%, uh, depending on your qualifications. You buy the home, you put the money in it to fix it up, and a lot of times there's family members and and investors that will want to work with you to do that. And then you sell the home after it's fixed up, hopefully at a much better profit.
0: Nicely. So how would it work on the opposite end? If a person found a home, I guess, you know, it needs quite a bit of work and, you know, They want to fix it up and have it as a starter home.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: They want to live in it. Uh, That is, uh,
1: the reason why I love that question is, is that there are a bunch of programs that are available today that most people don't even know about. So if you, the first thing is, is when you look at the home and you say, yeah, this is the home I want, it's got good bones to it is what we call it in the industry. We just need to be able to fabricate it and, and make it better The first thing you ask yourself is, will it pass a conventional smell test? In other words, will it make it so that I can go FHA or conventional financing? Because it may have carpet, but the carpet's really old, or it may have stains on it. And the the cabinets, they're workable, but they may not look that great. Well, chances are pretty good that you'll be able to get normal traditional financing either through FHA or through conventional financing. Now, here's the cool part, is that if you don't, you can still get conventional or FHA financing, and it's called lifestyle um, if it's a conventional financing or home style is what they call it. Or you can do uh, in FHA terms what's called an FHA 203K. There's actually loans available to where you buy the home. Let's say you buy the home for $300,000, and it's going to take $50,000 to fix it up. Well, you buy the home for three hundred. But the lender appraises the home as if all the work has already been done, which is $350,000. Then you get bids, and the lender helps you put all this together. You get bids and a contractor. They put in all the all the, uh, the upgrades, and the house is worth $350,000, and you move in. So when you buy the home, you actually buy it based on the improved value, which is $350,000 in this case. So there are some great programs. And again, that's why it's essential to ask lots of questions and to find lenders who will go the extra mile to be able to help you
0: find a home and get the financing. Wow. You have in-depth knowledge. I wouldn't, I would like to ask a few questions to continue because you seem to have a strong knowledge base. Talk to us about like, um, probate and like, bank REOs, or pre-foreclosures? Okay. Yeah.
1: You know, that's that's a part that I usually, if you're going to buy a home and you're not really uh, familiar with that part of the real estate game, you might say, I generally recommend to stay away from that. Uh, when you buy something that's at foreclosure, in other words, you buy it on the, the steps of the courthouse, in most cases, you're going to be competing with people who want to pay cash for it. And so you've got to be able to come up with a cashier's check for a home that you've viewed that in many times, cases, you haven't even been inside of it. You know, you've walked it, you've looked through the windows, and you see that, yeah, this is something that I want to buy, and I'd like to live in it. It's just really important to understand that when you buy it out of foreclosure, you're going to buy any of the, any of the existing liens, or any of the taxes that are owed on the property at the time. So generally speaking, when you get into probate and pre-foreclosure, there's taxes that are owed on the property that haven't been paid for anywhere from two to three years in some cases. And you're going to be responsible for bringing all that up. So it's really important that you check the deed, that you check the title work, that you find out if there's any uh, liens or encumbrances against the property. So that's, that's kind of an area that, you know, is kind of a cool thing to look at. Uh, if you can find some kind of a pre-foreclosure that's listed by a real estate professional before it actually goes to foreclosure, uh, then you have a little bit better, ch- then that's, that's where you want to be. You want to, you want to be represented by a real estate professional as much as you can. You really don't want to go off and do it on your own. If you try yeah. to do it on your own, my, my belief is you're shooting yourself in the foot.
0: So you want to go out the pre foreclosure that's still listed with a realtor?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, a, a good real estate professional is worth their weight in gold. That they, they, when you get somebody who knows the business and knows the geography of where you want to buy, you can't beat it. They are just the, they're the there's they will make the difference between a great experience
0: and a really bad experience. Okay. So your book is it in audible form? Is it in an ebook or is this physical book?
1: Yes. What's what's your the, uh, uh,
0: the book is uh, Buy Your
1: First Home Today. Uh, you can uh, go to Amazon and get it, or you can go to my webs my 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 uh, my page my landing page, which is uh, John W. That's J O H N W M A L L E T T dot com. And you can actually upload the first chapter free of charge. And uh, any questions that your listeners have, call me. I'll be more than happy to, to work with them. All my contact information is on that landing page. And um, I'll, anything I can do to help your listeners, I would be more than happy to, to help as much as possible. We have a team of people, and if uh, it's out of the state, then we'll refer them to somebody that can help them.
0: And I want to make sure that I understand correctly. You have your own mortgage company.
1: Yes, uh-huh.
0: And you've been doing mortgages for thirty years. Yes. Were you ever like a real estate agent or just only been on the mortgage side? No, I've always been on the finance side. Uh, I, I like the
1: I like the numbers. I like uh, the idea of the finance because that's
0: what's really critical in order for people to buy their home. Right. Could you talk to us a little bit about, like, points and how that, that works? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. So what you're referring to here is your closing
1: costs. And uh, when you buy a home, you're always going to have closing costs. You'll have uh, appraisal fees. You'll have underwriting fee. You'll have the title. Uh, you'll have your attorney or the escrow fee. Uh, whichever state that you're in. So you'll have some fees, and then you'll also have what's called impounds. Impounds are where when you pay your mortgage payment, you also pay your taxes and your insurance. So they'll want to get maybe six months' worth of taxes up front. So it's really important to get that outlined on what your fees will be. Now, when you talk about points, points are used to buy your rate down. So it's really important to know that there's no free lunch. You're either going to pay for it up front or you're going to pay for it at the end or during the time that you have your loan. There's no lender out there that's going to give you anything that's going to be free. So if you have a rate, let's say the rate is at 3%, uh, at what we call it par, that means at 3%, there's no points. Well, if you go to 2.875 or 2.75, let's say 275 it might cost you one point, which is 1% of the loan amount. So if the loan amount is $200,000, that means that that will cost you $2,000. So it's going to cost you $2,000 up front to get the lower payment, which gives you a lower rate. And that gives you, in turn, a lower payment. So at 3%, the payment may be um, $1,000. At 2.75, the payment may be $960. So it may be a $40 difference. And then you have to decide, well, is it worth it for me to pay points? You know, do I break even soon enough to be able to make that, up that money? And you also have to say, do I have the extra money? Because usually when you're buying your first home, you know, your down payment, scraping your down payment funds together is, is about all you can do sometimes. So you want to, um, Really have it set out to what your, what your points will be. I generally believe it's better not to pay points, uh, because I think that first time home buyers tend to refinance their home within the next five to six years of owning the property. You know, whether it's to get a lower rate or to, uh, get a better loan, whatever it might be. And so I generally say don't pay points. In fact, in some cases you can actually increase your rate. And when you increase the rate, the lender will give you a credit that will go towards your closing cost. So that's where your your mortgage professional can explain the different options to you. Uh, I have a client right now that they're just going into escrow. They bought a property. All they have is their down payment. They have no closing cost funds available. So they're going to get a rate that's high enough. They will offset all of their closing costs, and that will be a credit that's paid by their lender. It gets a little bit confusing. It's something that takes a little bit of uh, of work to understand it. But there are a lot of different options that you can take.
0: One more thing I would like for you to explain. Um, explain the pros and cons to having, or do you have a choice with, like, the taxes, like will you pay monthly, or can you pay it all at the end of the year? Because um, I'm originally from Oklahoma, and I know my mom used to pay it, I guess, at the beginning of the next year. Or whenever it's due, mm-hmm. but it's like it's due several months later. Um, yeah. Can you talk to us about that? Oh, you bet. So uh, taxes,
1: you either pay it with your mortgage payment or you pay it on your own. Now, in order to pay it on your own, in most cases, you've got to put down at least a little bit more than 10%. So you've got to put down like 10.1 percent. In other words, in other words, you've got to have a loan that's that we call it 89.9 percent loan to value. Loan to value is the amount of money that you're putting down versus what the what the cost of the property is. And uh, if you can put down a little bit more than 10 percent, then you have your choice of whether or not you want your payments to be your tax payments and your insurance payments to be what's called impounded or in an escrow account so that when you make the payment, you automatically pay your taxes, your insurance. Anytime you put down less than 10%, it's mandatory that you have to have that. If you you put more than 10% down, slightly more, then you have a choice as to whether or not you want to pay it yearly. In some states, it's every year. In some states like California, it's twice a year. So, it's every six months. Um, Okay.
0: So, yeah. Tell us about PMI. PMI. Okay.
1: Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. Uh, PMI is called, it stands for Private Mortgage Insurance. We just call it MI in the industry. And mortgage insurance is an insurance policy that's taken out by a third party or by the lender that will insure against default. So let's say that uh, studies are done that show that when people put down 20%, the foreclosure rate is like 3% or 2%. I mean, it's like nothing, right? When you put down a lot of money, lenders feel very comfortable with the fact that this person's not going to walk away from the house. And so that's where you get a little bit better pricing, and that's where you have no mortgage insurance. And lenders uh, back in the day were very hesitant to put down less than 20%. They wanted only people that had 20% down. Well, that became really difficult for people to be able to do that. So then these entrepreneurs came up and said, well, wait a minute. I think that this client is going to be able to make their payments and that they're not going to foreclose because we've looked at their, their income and credit. They look great. So we're going to take out an insurance policy, we're going to give it to the bank, and we're going to tell the bank to say, "Listen, we'll make we'll make up the difference." With mortgage insurance, we'll give you an insurance policy that basically says, if these people foreclose, we're going to pay you the difference as if you had a 20% down to begin with. So that means that they would make good uh, if if somebody puts down 5%, that means that this insurance policy would give the bank 15%. So they would cover the bank in, in case of a loss. And um, the biggest misnomer, and I, and I talk about this in my book, is that people say, no, I don't want to pay mortgage insurance. I want to wait until I have 20% down. And I show in my book, and I talk about the opportunity cost of waiting, and it's not a good idea. In the example I give, it costs the Person who decided, I said brother A and brother B, brother B decided to wait and not make the, the uh, not pay that extra mortgage insurance payment because every month you're going to have a payment of mortgage insurance that might be anywhere from $50 to $300, depending on what your mortgage is and what your down payment is. And they say, no, we don't want to pay that. Well, what that allows you to do is get into the home now so that you can get in on the values that over time. Increase and sooner or later your mortgage insurance goes away versus waiting, which is an opportunity cost. In my book, the opportunity cost was like $130,000 over a five year period. That this person had to wait five years before they could amass 20% down. And by the time he could, he had to have more money because prices went up. That's not always to say that prices will rise, but mortgage insurance is one of the best things that you can take advantage of because it allows you to have a smaller down payment. Oh, okay.
0: Okay. Wow. Well, it's been a very, very powerful and impactful show, and I'm, I'm sure there's someone in the audience that finds great value of this and will move on this information and hopefully reach out to you. Uh, before we close or in closing, please uh, go over uh, your social media and how the audience can contact you if they have any questions or like to grab Oh.
1: Sure, you bet. Uh, the best one goes to, go to JohnW.Millett.com, and that will give you um, a good start and give you contact information. Uh, you can also go to MainStreetLoans.com, which is our website, and uh, you know just just uh, contact me. You know, give me an email. I'll have one of my team members call your listeners, and we'll we'll help them, and we'll do everything we can. It's a uh, home Lee is a is, a, is one of the greatest um, opportunities that we have to really find the stability in life that uh, that we want.
0: Wow. I think it's been an amazing show. Uh, you've been live on the Sudden Eye Impact show with your host, Lee, and Coach John W. Mallett, uh, mortgage industry expert. I'm going to leave you with a few quotes I like to say thought is the highest function that a man or woman is capable of. Buddha said it this way, all that we are is the sum total of our thoughts. Ralph Ralph Waldo Emerson said it this way, a man is what he thinks about all day long. And then Solomon said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Then Henry Ford said it this way, whether you think you can or you think you cannot, either way you're right. So everything lies, starts with your thinking so we had a very special guest today a mortgage lending expert he's kind of told you the abcs and one two threes of how to begin to pursue home ownership and then he added a an additional part the drive to buy so i think important content was dropped a lot of gems and morsels of truth for drop please take advantage of this and with no further ado until the next time continue to use your faith. Thank you, John. You're welcome.